changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday, the day when I introduce you to someone interesting in the Chicken Soup for the Soul family. And today, we have a really fun guest, Courtney Conover, who has written something like a dozen Chicken Soup for the Soul stories. We're going to focus on two of them today. One of them will inspire you to stop spending all that time and money straightening your hair, and the other one will give you a great idea for Christmas gifts that will save you time and money too. So Courtney, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Hello, Amy, and hello to everyone listening. Thank you so much for having me today. So Courtney is fabulous, and I've gotten to know her through her stories. She's a wife, she's a mother, she's a certified yoga instructor, she's a freelance writer, She's written books, and she is a petite little thing who's married to a former offensive tackle for the Detroit Lions, uh, Scott Conover. And she's actually written about how they met and their romance in Chicken Soup for the Soul books as well. Courtney is a Michigan girl. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in communications from the University of Michigan. And then she went on to become a television reporter and producer in Columbia, South Carolina, and then she was actually an auto show model for Honda and Jaguar, one of those women, those beautiful women who stand up there and point at things and say things about the car. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> yeah. And she also, and she hasn't written about this yet for us, but she has also been the deputy mayor of her hometown of Westland, Michigan, which is pretty interesting. She's written all kinds of stories about her life for us, including having her two wonderful children. We were there right from the beginning her son, Scotty, and her daughter, Kennedy. And it's actually Kennedy who was the inspiration for the first thing we're going to talk about today, which is a story that Courtney wrote for us for our new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, the best advice I ever heard. So tell us about that life-changing advice that you wrote about in our new book. Oh, Amy, let me tell you, um, I'm 41 years old as we record this podcast. um, And it's crazy because I'd like to say that officially the story began, I guess you could say in my late 30s, but now that I look back in retrospect, it really started in the very beginning. Um, I grew up essentially loathing my curly hair, and I say this kind of prophetically that I didn't even really know my curly hair. I kind of just eschewed it and just knew from the get-go that I always wanted straight hair, and it wasn't until the birth of my daughter that essentially turned this whole mindset on its ear. And it really led me to evaluate and really look at beauty in an entirely different way. And when she was two, that's really when the tide began to turn, when I knew that I wanted her to love her curly hair and I would compliment her all the time. And I could see that it was really taking root. She was loving her hair. And then it just occurred to me one day in uh, late 2015 that she would accuse me of being a liar because If I loved her hair so very much, and I had hair exactly like hers, I knew that the day was coming when she would ask me, well, Mommy, if my hair is so beautiful, how come you don't wear yours like it? And so that's, Amy, essentially the catalyst for me deciding that I would no longer straighten my hair. So again, that's the official start. But like I said, this was such a profound moment for me because if you had asked me, I don't know how many years ago, like in college, in my 20s, even my early 30s, if I would ever be sitting here talking to you about this very topic, I would just look at you like you were crazy. But here we are. I know you wrote stories about how your grandmother was so good at straightening your hair. I mean, you wrote a lot of stories about your hair and your hair was a really big deal for you when you were 
a kid. And you also said in the story that you saw a woman on the beach, right, who just let her hair go natural. And you said to her, well, how do you do that? Yes. Like I said, the, the story really started at birth with me, or even at a very young age, realizing that I wanted my hair to be straight so very badly. And that makes that encounter that you just spoke of so kind of like mind-boggling. I was on the beach with my husband, and the only other way, not to give it away, for those of you listening, you have to read the story in the book to get the full picture of what happened on the beach in Fort Lauderdale on that fateful day. I, when I saw this woman, Amy, I, she, just, she took my breath away. And it was so ironic and so odd because, again, I would do anything. I would almost, like, endure scalp burns and, you know, near hit or misses with a, with a 450-degree flat iron, you know, searing the, the skin off my ears. I would go through ungodly things to obtain the straight hair. But yet when I saw this woman with this wildly curly, frizzy, free mane, I thought, She's gorgeous. And now, like I said, I look back now, and it's the whole saying of hindsight being 2020 really does apply here because what I think caught my eye about her wasn't just her hair. It was just like this energy that she gave off. She was free, and she was happy, and she was just, I mean, it was almost as if she was an actress, and I, I don't know if she, maybe she was in real life, but, I mean, you can't fake that kind of um, energy and peace. And I just looked at her having a beverage with a friend of hers and she was laughing and she's just just so freeing. And I was thinking, it's one of those things you in that commercial when the woman says, I want what she's having. It's kind of like that. I was like, I want to be like that. You know, I want to be pretty, of course, and I want to look pretty, but I want what she's giving off. That's what I want. And it just so happened that she had the curly hair too. But I found the hair so gorgeous. And like I said, I had never even worn my hair that way. At that point, I was, let's see, I was in my mid-30s. It was right before my was born. So I was, you know, well into adulthood. And I had never, ever stepped foot outside my home with my hair looking as hers did. I would liken that to walking down the street naked, like I would never even consider it. And the fact that I found her so breathtaking, it stuck with me. It stuck with me enough to to, uh, to remember, um, you know, of course, writing the story. But when I approached her and told her about, again, she's a complete stranger, complete stranger, and kind of inquired as to how she how she did it. You'll have to read the book, of course, to learn what she said to me. But I can sit here unequivocally as I speak to you today and say that it was one of the best nuggets of advice I had ever heard, point blank. Well, do you think it's more than the hair also? I mean, if you really think about the whole idea of Black women straightening their hair, spending hours on it every week, applying chemicals to them, This is really like a denial of yourselves. And to go natural, I have a feeling that you embraced more than just your curly hair. Oh, absolutely, Amy, absolutely. And and here's the thing, and I want to say this for the record, for my straight-haired sisters, women, and friends who are listening, and I said this before in my book, Mommy Straightest, straight hair is not the enemy. That's not the bad guy. Straight hair is gorgeous, just as curly hair is gorgeous. The problem, though that I've found through personal experience and what I do not want for my daughter is that when you try to do everything in your power to make your hair something that it's not to the point where it affects the quality and the happiness of your life, that's a significant problem. 
And that's what I realized right then and there. You're on this hamster wheel where, you know, you've had the, the term bad hair days. And I can say to you right now, Amy, that since I have embraced my curly hair, so this is 2018, we're going on a full three years, I've never had a bad hair day. Now, I'll say this. Now, there are days when my hair looks better than others, but for myself personally, I now realize in retrospect, I had a lot of quote-unquote bad hair days because I was just trying to make my hair something that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was essentially fighting me back. And I know you wrote a book about this. You not only wrote about it for Chicken Soup for the Soul, the best advice I ever heard, but you wrote a whole book about this called Mommy Straightest. Yes. Yes, and the title, of course, is, is taken from Mommy Dearest, right? Yes. Because I, here I was just, you know, the no, no wire hangers. Well, mine was no frizzy curly hair. That was my battle cry. And, you know, when you start to, like I said, change the quality of your life, I mean, Scotty and Kennedy and I and all four of us, we are outdoorsy people. We love being outside no matter what the conditions. And, and you can talk to our mail lady. She can regale you on stories when I was pushing the buggy when it was almost like a monsoon. I used to have like the net in the summertime so like the mosquitoes wouldn't get to the baby. And then I'd have like in the wintertime, I'd have them like, you know, bundled up like Eskimos where you'd only, you'd look into the buggy and you'd see like these two brown eyes like staring back at <laughs> everything else covered. And, you know, so long as I could like push the buggy and I could see fairly easily, like we were outside on the walk. And so that's how I raised them from birth. So to be at a park when they're having fun and the humidity is off the charts and I spy a rain cloud in the distance or just like the slightest drop and I'm like, okay, you guys, we got to go because mommy spent four hours on this blowout. I, I can't mess this up. Like, that's crazy, Amy. Like, that's crazy. It is. All right. Well, this is a great lesson. And I have Another great lesson that you wrote for us that I want to talk about after the break. So we're going to be back with more okay. from Courtney Conover. And since Christmas is only a couple of weeks away, when we come back, we're going to talk about one of my favorite gift ideas <laughs> ever. And it came from Courtney. We're back with Courtney Conover, and we've been talking about how you should stop straightening your hair unless you really enjoy doing that. But now we're going to talk about Christmas because there's another great piece of advice that I got from Courtney. She has the best idea for a Christmas gift, especially if you're wondering what to get for your partner or spouse. And this is a story called The Christmas Contest that Courtney wrote for a book we put out several years ago called Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Gift of Christmas. So, Courtney, tell us how this very unusual and creative gift came about. Well, let me just first just give a shout out, Chicken Soup for the Soul, because, you know, as you've stated several times over, and just people who are avid readers of the series know these are true, true stories, and this is no different I'm just so thankful for this platform to be able to share this story because I don't think people truly believe that this happened, Amy, verbatim, how I wrote this story. And I would like to say that I, I wish I wish I'd come up with this idea. I have to give all the credit to my husband, Scott, because it was just brilliant. And I look back, um, this was so fun to do. And this was before we had kids. So I think, when did I submit this story? I think it was like 2007 or eight. So we're going on like the 10 year anniversary of this book or this particular story. But um, I love shopping, although now I have to say with two kids, I prefer more online shopping. But still, I do love the thrill of a bargain. I do love shopping. Um, but I think that I can speak for most spouses in America. Shopping for your spouse can be like the bane of our existence. It's like one of the most challenging and frustrating things that 
have to be done during the holiday season. And when my husband came up with the idea of us imposing a particular amount that we would spend, and the amount that we spent was um, – had sentimental significance for us because we're really into sevens. We were married on July 7, 2007, at 7.07. And my husband, who's a former Lions player, his number was seven. I was born in 77. He's the oldest of sevens. So there was just a string of sevens in our family. So we decided that we would impose the limit of $77.77. And whoever came closest to that would be the quote-unquote winner and that's how we did it. So first of all, I can just say for everyone listening, everyone can find something, be it a birthday, and you don't have to you know, have like this exorbitant amount for your spending limit, but it does make it fun. And when you kind of like lessen the amount, like, you know, you can't get a flat screen TV for $77 and you can't get, you know, there's a whole host of things you can't get, but there are a lot of things that you can get that have sentimental value that I think a lot of spouses haven't even considered. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. And what your contest was, was you had to get as close to $77.77 as possible. And the winner was the person who came closest to that dollar amount. Right, right. I will tell you that I did not win. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the amount. I would love for readers to discover that from the book, but I will say that I did not win. But I I do think so. Um, I mean, he, he won in both ways. He won because he got closest to the amount. And the gift that he gifted me was something that was very near. It was, it was a, a homage to something very near and dear to me, which was my high school track career. And I will say this. Let me just say this, Amy, that going on now, one of the reasons why even now to this day, so Scott and I have been married for 11 years, that is hands down one of our probably the um, best gift exchange that we gave um, one another. And I think the reason is this. Since we've had children, we've really tried to focus on not necessarily gifts, because at this day and age, we are in a consumer-driven world. And it's, I think I look at like the toys now for, you know, for my children versus what I had. You know, I just had like the simple doll that could, you know, you put the, the balloon in its mouth and it blew a bubble, kind of like bubble gum. And now you have all these almost like realistic type cats and dogs and things of that nature. It's just, it's a different kind of world. But one thing that I've gotten, I've really tried to do is we've tried to give our children experiences and not so much material things. So I think that with this, even with this dollar amount imposed with a gift, I think if you approach it from the perspective that you want to relive or regale or incite some kind of good kind of fuzzy, warm feelings about some kind of experience that your spouse had, I think that will kind of channel your shopping energy in the right direction. Because I look back now and the thing that Scott gifted me with, physically it's beautiful, but it's more of what, what really gets me is how it impacts me emotionally when I look at it. It's in our main hallway of our home right now as I record this podcast. It's, we hung it there on Christmas Day and we haven't moved it since. And it's just that feeling that it incites in me when I see it. And it's, again, it's, it's about experiences. At the end of the day, I think that's what we all remember in life. And that's what really just kind of warms us, you know, and no secret to our readers, Chicken Soup for the Soul readers, because that's what I think what the lifeline or the the crux of all of these books are in the stories. It's the experiences. That's what, that's what we value in our lives. And when a husband goes to all the trouble of making basically like a framed art project for you that commemorated an important time in your life, we women really appreciate it when a husband doesn't just put down the credit card to buy us something, but oh. actually does all of that work and put all that yeah. thought into it. 
What a fabulous husband you have. Uh, well, I am very lucky. I do realize that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is he doing these days? Is he a professional chef still? No, you know what? He's kind of put down that. And I'll tell you what, he is still the undisputed chef in the house. I mean, we went into this marriage. I told him, like, I have one recipe. It's my manicotti recipe. I made that for him before he proposed. And I told him there are no more tricks up the sleeve. So, like, I can boil a mean pot of water and I can order the best carryout. But if you want something, like, really, like, of pizzazz and that's something that's edible, you're the person in this household to do that. And I will clean up everything. Like I will, I will clean like nobody's business, but if you want something edible, honey, you're the one that's going to, and he's like, fine. So we agree on that. Thankfully for the sake of our marriage that, you know, those roles have been established, but Scott is still very active in the NFL alumni association chapter here in our area. And um, is an incredible partner with me, with the kids and, our kids just keep us busy at this point. We've got Scotty doing martial arts and excelling in second grade, and Kennedy has started tap, ballet, and baton. So he is helping out in that capacity and also doing a lot of philanthropic things in the community on behalf of the NFL alumni. So we have a busy, hectic, frenetic, and awesome household. I will leave it at that. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like the way my life was. I remember when my son was in second grade and was doing karate and my daughter was doing ballet until they told her she could only wear pink and then she stopped. But, um, and I also remember my daughter coming home from kindergarten one day and saying, did you know that in some families, the mommy cooks? Because oh my, God. my then husband did all the cooking. He was a great, great cook. I have subsequently learned how to cook. I had to when I got divorced. For the first few months that I was actually competently cooking, I swear to you, my kids were in the garage looking through the garbage, looking for the takeout containers. They could not believe that I was cooking. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Well, this has been so much fun, and I know we're going to get together in person when I'm out in Detroit going to my nephew's wedding, so that's going to be really fun. I'm, I really feel like I know you through all these different stories. I have a whole list of them here. I mean, you've written about your childhood. You've written, of course, about yeah. the hair straightening. You wrote about getting set up with Scotty on a blind date. You wrote about yeah. him proposing. <clears throat> you wrote about finding out that you were pregnant with yeah. Scotty. I mean, you've written about everything. I really followed your life as you've gone through getting married having a baby, now yeah. having two little kids. So it's been really fun getting to know you through your writing. It has been exceptional. It really, like I said, this platform gives such the unique opportunity to share your just most profound, most loving, most insightful and memorable experiences with other people who enjoy it. I mean, you know, the fan base of Chicken Soup for the Soul, they really truly value the importance of community, I think, and just appreciating other people's experiences. And I think the great thing about it is that we find out, A, how alike we all are, particularly in times when we don't really think that we, we sometimes think we're the only ones going through something, right? And then you read the story, you know, like I was reading The Forgiveness edition on the way to Jersey this summer. We summer in, um, in New Jersey at the shore where um, my husband is from. And so it affords me a lot of time to read and write. And you just never know where you're going to find these nuggets of wisdom. And just, it truly is a, a phenomenal platform to be able to share life experiences. Well, we're really happy that you're one of our writers. Now, where can people learn more about you? 
Well, I am all over social media. I'm not one of those that posts like, you know, five times a day kind of thing. But I do try to share things that I think readers and listeners and followers will find insightful, particularly of those of us who are moms and just trying to be the best moms that we can. You can find me online on my website, my blog, which is CourtneyConover.com. You can also find me on Twitter at CourtneyConover. And on Facebook, you can just search Courtney Conover, and then my public page will come up, and I share everything there. And I'm on LinkedIn as well under my name, Courtney Conover. So all four of those platforms, I'm there. You can also find me on Instagram, too. I do have Instagram, and it's Mrs. Courtney Conover, so MRS and then Courtney Conover. And all platforms are public, and I look forward to readers reaching out and sharing and saying hi. And I just thank you guys for listening. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast today. It was really fun having you. Likewise. And everybody, thanks for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today with Courtney Conover. You can go to our website, chickensoup.com, and you can learn more about Courtney's latest story in our latest book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Best Advice I Ever Heard. And you can also visit our website, chickensoup.com, to learn more about the book and to watch the book trailer And you'll find this new book about the best advice I ever heard at Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, Walmart, Amazon, and wherever else you like to get your books. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.